This podcast is made possible through donations from listeners like you and our partners at Tallman Equipment. They pride themselves on equipping their customers with the tools they need to get the job done right. They are dedicated to set the standard for quality, convenience, and reliability. At Tallman, your opinion is important to them. Rate and review any product or tool you've used on their new website at tallmanequipment.com. Line 11 Clothing Company, making apparel for their first responders with a positive message to patriots that you can be proud of. A proceed of the cost goes to helping our foundation ignite the fire for father engagement. Give them a follow at Line11Clothing on Instagram. You could also find them or email them at Line11Clothing at Yahoo.com. And last but not least, Monzingo Knives. Each knife is created with craftsmanship that only a tradesman could provide. Find them on Instagram at Monzingo Knives and get your American-made Monzingo knife today. Welcome to the Show Up Dad podcast. This is a podcast for hardworking fathers. At the Show Up Dad, we recognize that fathers providing for their children is certainly important. But when men truly understand their unique role and gain the knowledge and skills to be great fathers, they can transform and impact future generations. Our guest today is none other than Ryan Horn. He is the CEO of Academy of Extraordinary Men. Ryan's mission is to help men rise up as powerful leaders and become the men they were created to be so, so they can lead their businesses, families, and themselves to success and fulfillment. He has coached thousands of men from around the world and helped them transform their business and life through his proprietary five-step Become Extraordinary framework. Ryan has been an entrepreneur his entire life, built multiple successful businesses, married the woman of his dreams, and is constantly investing his own growth to go to the next level. He lives in Minnesota with his beautiful wife, Brittany. Welcome to the show, brother. Hey, David, thank you so much for having me on. It is an honor and a privilege to be here. Absolutely, dude. I just want to kind of jump right in this here, Ryan. Um, I want to open up by having you tell our audience about your childhood as you remember it, if you don't mind. Yeah, absolutely. You know, what I remember about my childhood is that it was great. So I grew up in a small little town up in northern Minnesota, and, you know, I loved it. I have four brothers, two older, two younger. And just super active, loved sports, being outside, and uh, was really um, lucky to have both sets of my grandparents live within five to ten miles. So I spent lots of time with them as well, and they both lived on farms. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I, I loved it. It wasn't perfect by any means. There's no doubt about that. But, I mean, when I think back about it, um, overall, it was a great time. Mm-hmm. Now, looking back, how was your relationship with your father? Yeah, you know, um, it's, it's interesting to do that now as, as an adult and, and thinking back. But overall, I would say that it was great. You know, he told me that he loved me. He, you know, told me that he was proud of me. Um, the one thing that I would say was um, a little bit challenging, which at the time, it was just normal to me, but looking back now, it's definitely something that was a little bit challenging was that with my dad's work um, for about seven, eight months of the year, he was gone Monday through Friday. Um, and so, like I said, that was just kind of normal for me, but, but looking back now, you know, I definitely wish that I would have had more time with him, mm-hmm. um, you know, and just looking at some of the things like, you know, like junior high football games like I don't I don't think he ever saw me play a junior high football game because of that like what the time of year the football season was and stuff like that but I mean overall I would say it was a great relationship and you know we had a lot of intentional time I would say even though that you know for part of the year he was gone quite a bit um, I think having that intentional time is really important like he would you know, he was always working on projects either around the house or outside and stuff like that. And like I said, I had four brothers. So sometimes it would be me and multiple of my brothers or sometimes just me. And he would ask us to come in and help him. And it was really cool to have that time with him, but also to be able to learn from him. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. What did he teach you about being a father that you would share with your children when the time comes? Yeah, I mean, I think... One of the things would be what I just mentioned, that 
you know, having that intentional time with mm-hmm. your kids. And, you know, like I said, the way that he did it was more around like projects, either outside or around the house and um, teaching them things. So I think that's, that's a big thing that I definitely want to, to share with my kids, like having intentional time with them and not just intentional time, but intentional time to teach them skills. Um, and also I'd say, um, for my dad, uh, just discipline and work, work ethic are a couple of things that, that come to mind just thinking about that I definitely learned from my dad and definitely want to teach my kids. Mm-hmm. What kind of work did he do? Yeah, so he was a foreman for a pipeline company. Mm. I got you. So he was a blue-collar worker then, so you guys definitely— Blue-collar worker, yeah. Right on, right on. Well, that's what our podcast is, you know— pretty much serving a lot of these blue collar dads out there that, you know, a lot of them have to travel just like your father did. You know what I mean? And our goal is to just be able to get them to understand that, man, you're just more than a paycheck. You know, our job is to provide, protect, nurture, all these different things that are associated with being a father. Right. And there's certain things that happen when you're not intentional, like your dad was. You know what I mean? There's time that's missed out. You can't get back time, you know? And with that, there's consequences as well. So that's what we do here. We just try to basically just try to bring awareness and ignite that fire for father engagement, you know? But uh, I I wanted to go into this topic, okay? Now, there's this book written by Daniel Pink. It talks about drive, okay? Now, he asked the question, what motivates us? What makes us work harder and better to achieve the goals set before us? He discusses how we are driven by two different kinds of motivators. There's carnal, you know, our carnal needs, which is like food, fluid, sex, whatever, right? And then there's also rewards too. And that's like for a job well done or, you know, even going into punishments for a poor job, okay? So those are the two. But he also states that there's a third one. Okay, and he talks about it as we create wondrous things that aren't necessary to live or offer no reward. Why do we do it? What really motivates us? He talks about drive as the third and most powerful kind of motivation. With that being said, I recently heard you speak on this topic and was fascinated in the simplicity of how you broke it all down and stuff. And it's something that we all know deep inside of us. But the way you broke it down was just so powerful and it moved me. Can you explain to our audience the difference in motivation and internal and external? Yeah, absolutely. So, you know, hopefully I can replicate that simplicity. Mm-hmm. But, um, you know, drive or inspiration, whatever you want to call it, mm-hmm. to me is something that's inside of us. It's something that, you know, it's already something inside of us and something sparks it usually versus the motivation is, is more of the, the external. And it, it's like the, you know, watching a YouTube video or, you know, having somebody yell at you or whatever. Right. Mm-hmm. So, um, but you know, I like to look at, um, it, it's interesting hearing you say the, the three different things from that book. I've not read the book. Um, but really there's, if we break it down, there's only two things that, motivate us mm-hmm. it's pain and pleasure mm. and you could really you could look at it across the board for all three of those things that we just said because the only reason we do anything is either to try to avoid pain or to gain pleasure you can look at anything in your life it's at the most simple level it comes down to those two things mm-hmm. we're either trying to move away from pain or we're trying to move towards pleasure sometimes it's a combination of both but the thing that drives us most usually is actually trying to move away from pain. Mm-hmm. But when we are driven, when we are inspired, it's not from it's not from a place of pain. It's it's from a place of, um, and we may not, you know, think of it this way. It might be subconscious or whatever. But we're moving towards pleasure. We're moving towards something that we really want, or something that at least we think is is going to give us what we want. But 
yeah, man, the inspiration and the drive, when you have that, it's like the difference to me is when you're inspired or you're driven, it feels like you're being pulled forward. It's like you can't not do the thing versus when you're trying to motivate yourself, it feels sometimes feels like you're trying to push a, a boulder up a hill. So it's like the push versus pull. Mm. And so to me, I mean, one of the ways that you can create that drive or spark that drive or inspiration, whatever you want to call it inside of you is by creating a big, exciting vision for your life. Because what I've found is, you know, I've coached lots of guys and most of the time, you know, first session I sit down with them, they don't have any type of big, exciting vision for their, for their life. They're just kind of living day to day. Mm-hmm. And especially guys that I work with that are just in a, you know, they're in a nine to five job or blue collar job or whatever. And maybe they want to start a business or they want to do something else with their life, but they're just caught up in the day to day. And so I think that's kind of the first thing is you got to create a, a big, exciting vision for your life, something that's going to pull you forward and get, get you inspired and spark that drive inside of you. Mm-hmm. Hmm, there's a scripture in the Bible. I think it's in Habakkuk. And it talks about write the vision and make it plain. And without vision, I think people, they just wander around aimlessly. You know what I mean? Even if it's short goals, you know, write that thing down. Have it before you. Sit on it. Med- meditate on it. You know what I mean? And Absolutely. I, I think that brings a lot of clarity to people. I mean, one of the things I always ask, and we discussed this earlier, I always talk to a lot of dudes and I'm like, What's your passion? What's your drive? What's that why? Okay. And they sit down, they look at me and they're like, you know what? I don't even know. I don't know. And to me, that's, that, that's, I hate to say it like this, but that's sad. You know what I mean? Because <laughs> there's nothing sadder to me than a wasted life. Knowing you could have done more. Yeah. You know? And when you look back in your life and you're like, man, I would have really liked to start that business. I would have really liked to become a teacher. I would have really liked to have done this. You know, all these regrets on your deathbed or whatever. You know what I mean? I don't want to be that guy. Yeah, me either. You know? Now, I want to ask you, how has being driven helped you or hurt you? That's a really great question. And... So, I mean, it helped me in a ton of ways. I wouldn't be where I am today. I wouldn't be married to the woman of my dreams today if I wasn't driven. Mm-hmm. Um, but the way that hurt me, I would say, is, you know, sometimes I get so caught up in, in what I'm going after. And even if it's a, a great thing that I'm going after and that I'm working on, that I lose sight of other important areas of my life. Mm-hmm. And they end up getting neglected, whether that's my marriage, my own health, um, stuff like that. I mean, just to give you an example, the past month, I didn't necessarily plan it out like this, but my wife and I have been um, to four different uh, personal development events. One was a, a marriage event. One was a mastermind. We were just sat in Dallas last weekend. One was a conference. Um, and so it was an intense, I think we were talking the other day, I think there was 15 out of 22 days where we we were either at a conference, mastermind, or traveling and on the road. And so, I, I mean, over those 22 days, my health definitely has has gotten neglected a little bit. Like, I, I noticed it. I've only worked out a couple times, and my eating, especially while traveling and stuff, not great. But, man, I, I felt alive doing that because it was like I was working towards the things that are really meaningful towards me, and I felt like I was making progress towards you know, what I'm ultimately meant to do here with my life. So, um, yeah, I, I mean, it can definitely hurt you, but without it, you're never going to maximize your full potential. Mm-hmm. Well, it definitely seems like you figured out your purpose and your why. Um, how did you come to find that out? For, for those of, the, of us who don't know how to find our why, how did you discover it? That's a really great question, and you know I get asked this quite a bit. So mm-hmm. I'm actually going to tell a, a little bit of a story that I think is going to help and people can relate to. So um, you know I I didn't know my why. I didn't just wake up one day and be like, oh, this is my why. Um, so first of all, I would say it's a process. 
Mm-hmm. And you, you have to realize that. I think a lot of people are just like, oh, man, look at Ryan. He's he's found his why and his purpose and whatever. Man, it must be nice to be him. But it's like, and this has been quite a process. I, you know, I didn't just wake up and discover my why someday. So, you know, I went to college, didn't know what I wanted to do. I ended up getting a degree in exercise science. And back then I thought my, my purpose, my why was to – to train athletes, I wanted to be a strength and conditioning coach at a college. And so went through that process toward, uh, as I was about to graduate. Um, <clears throat> as I was about to graduate, I realized that, number one, it was pretty tough to get a job as a strength and conditioning coach. There's only so many jobs, right? You mm-hmm. kind of needed a master's degree, didn't want to go back to school. And I was always entrepreneurial growing up and just had that mindset. And so I was like, why don't I just go start my own business, you know? And so I moved down to uh, Minneapolis after graduating and attempted to start my first business, training athletes. And I realized pretty quickly that although I was great at what I did, I was a great trainer. I really had no idea how to sell, how to market. So, I mean, three months in, I've made a total of $200. And I'm like, well, this is... This is not working out the way I wanted it to, right? And so I was drowning in student loan debt, and I'm literally sleeping on a pull-out couch in my aunt's condo, 60-plus condo, so I had to sneak in and out every day because nobody under 60 was supposed to be living there. Mm -hmm. And I needed money, so I ended up going to an employment agency, and I'm working at a metal factory, 12-hour night shift, 9 p.m. to 9 a.m. for $9 an hour. And I had a moment. Mm -hmm where I was sitting in the break room at 2 o'clock in the morning. I remember the exact day. It was March 14, 2013. And the reason I remember the day is because as I was sitting there at 2 o'clock in the morning, I looked up at the clock, and boom, just hit me that, man, it is my 23rd birthday. Mm. And in that moment, I just felt like a complete and total failure. I was so embarrassed, ashamed of myself. Like, what happened? How did I get here? I got good grades. Everybody told me I was going to go out there and crush it. And, like, this is definitely not my purpose, right? Mm-hmm. And <clears throat> I felt like, you know, I was made for more. Like, I was living below my potential. And, like, I was letting everyone down. And I'm sure everybody listening can relate to that in some way, you know, at some point in your life. And, and it hurts. Mm-hmm. But what I realized is that if you can guide and direct that pain, it can actually be the fuel that moves you forward. So as I was sitting there in that pain and I was like, man, how did this happen? And feeling sorry for myself, something inside of me just sparked. And I was like, you know what? I I made a vow to myself and I was like, I am going to become a successful entrepreneur or I'm going to die trying. Mm -hmm. So I finished my shift and I, I quit planning never to return basically. And, you know, it wasn't like, oh, I made that decision. And then I went out there and, you know, my purpose just showed up and I just started crushing it in business and everything. No, it was a process. It was, it was a process and it was long and much longer than I anticipated it being. And there was plenty of pain through that too. But I mean, I knew that something had to change. So for me, I dove head first into personal development and, and trying to learn the business skills that I knew I was missing. And so I, I ended up investing in this 30 hour Tony Robbins audio program and listening to it on repeat for literally more than a year and I started getting up at four o'clock in the morning and sharing my goals every day with an accountability group and I ended up hiring my first coach and within 12 months of that you know I had restarted my business again my business doubled and, and um, you know since that day back in 2013 I'm proud to say that I have been a full-time entrepreneur and I have not worked an hourly job since my last day at that metal factory but the point I'm trying to make with this is that it, it's a process because even going from there, you know, I, be, I after I quit the job at the metal factory, I went out and it was hard and it took a long time, but I became a successful entrepreneur, but it was in the fitness industry. Mm-hmm. I had a personal training business and I had that for six years. But after I, after I hired a coach, something inside of me just kind of like I got interested in coaching. Mm-hmm. And so I just started taking action towards that while I was still doing my, my other business. But there was something inside of me that was just like, you need to explore more of this. 
And so instead of just thinking about it, I actually took some action on it. And I um, started coaching some people for free and just started exploring it. And I think this is where a lot of people get, they get off track because, you know, you may be working a, a regular job right now or, or feel stuck somewhere. But the only way you're going to get out is by taking some sort of action. And it's not like you got to go quit your job tomorrow and go all in on something else, but just start taking some action because a great quote that I heard recently that I absolutely love is that action creates clarity. Mm. When you're not taking action and you can't expect to just sit there and, and think yourself into clarity, it's not going to happen mm-hmm. because you know, for me, it was like, as I got into action, I got the next step and the next step and the next step, but I didn't ultimately know where it was going to lead. And so I got interested in coaching. I started coaching a few people here and there. And it started to get a little bit more clear as I started to do that, that because at first I wanted to just coach anybody about anything. Like, let me just help you about anything. And then it started to get a little bit more clear as I coached more people, as I took more action that, hey, I'm only meant to work with men. That's that's who I love working with. That's who I love serving. And then it got a little more narrow, a little more narrow, and, until it's down to what I do today, which basically I, I help men to grow their business and become all they were created to be in all areas of their life. Mm-hmm. And so basically the, the point I'm trying to make is that, you know, I see this so often. It's like people are people feel stuck and they're like, man, I'm trying to figure out my why, I'm trying to figure out my purpose, but they're just sitting there thinking about it. Mm -hmm. So the biggest thing is you don't even have to necessarily know which direction to go. Just start doing something. Mm -hmm. Yeah, action definitely equals momentum. And you're absolutely right. If you just think about it and dream about it, it ain't going to happen. You know, I, I don't know how many people I know like that where they're just like, have these great ideas, great dreams, and they do nothing. Nothing. And they will never come to fruition because, one, either they're too lazy. I I, I hope they're not lazy, you know what I mean? <laughs> but there mm-hmm. is people like that. And then number two, I think fear. I think a lot of it's fear. You know, I can't do this. I can't do that. You know, and what if it fails? Feel a failure. You know what I mean? And then that shame kicks in. You know, oh, what are they going to say if I fail? Yep. You know what I mean? Shame has a great deal to deal with. You know, why people don't succeed in a lot of stuff or even fail to succeed. You know what I mean? To even start. You know, um, a recent guest of mine, a motivational speaker. I don't know if you know him. His name's Dr. Billy Allsbrooks, okay? Yep. Great, great dude. I mean, spot on on everything, okay? But uh, he said that the vast majority of people are in jobs that they hate, okay? That jobs that they are settling for for security but have nothing to do with what they are passionate about. What are some of the things people can do to move past that fear or limited mindset to pursue that passion? You know, what, what can they do other than, you know, just that first step like you talked about? What are something else just like was it training yeah, yeah. or investing or what do you think? Yeah, that's that's a really great question, and I, you know, I would agree first of all with that statement based on my own experience. Mm-hmm. And I think a lot of times people get stuck in their head, like you were saying before. They're thinking about, oh, you know, what if I fail? What if this happens? What if whatever? So for me, you know, I put together a framework, and this is a framework that I use. I think you mentioned it in in the opening. It's a framework that I use to coach every single guy that I work with. Mm -hmm. And I call it my five step become extraordinary framework. And the reason I call that, call it that is because if you want to become extraordinary in any area of your life, I don't care what it is, um, you can use these five steps. You might use them in a little different order and you might, you know, use them a little bit differently than than the way I'm going to describe them, Mm -hmm. but they show up over and over and over again. And for me, I put this together after investing tons of time and money into my own personal growth as an entrepreneur and also as a man. And I started to see patterns after I did that. And, you know, I can look back basically at at any of the big accomplishments in my life and and point to this framework. So what I would recommend to someone that is trying to move past the fear or limited mindset and, and go after what they want 
is to follow this framework. So I'm just going to give you real quick what the five steps are, and then I'll go a little deeper and mm-hmm. you know, feel free to ask follow-up questions. So the five steps are number one is clarity, number mm-hmm. two is commitment, number three is coaching, number four is courageous action, and number five is course correction. So clarity, we've talked about it already. I mean, honestly, this is where it all starts because if you don't even know where you're at right now and you don't know where you're going, then you're never going to get there. Mm-hmm. I mean, just think about a, a GPS. What's the first thing? You know, it has to know your current location, right? So you need to know where you're at right now. And you also need to know where you're going or you're never going to get there. And so <clears throat> like we talked about before, setting up a vision for your life and the, in a big vision that's exciting. And so I think people get confused about vision and goals sometimes too because vision, to me, a vision is something that's, that's big, it excites you, and you may not know exactly how you're going to make that happen. Mm-hmm. It's a little bit longer term. And the problem people have is sometimes they even go set that vision, they get really excited, but if they don't break it down into goals and into you know specific measurable steps and, you know, these are my goals 12 months from now, and these are my monthly goals, and these are my weekly goals, and here's my daily action steps, then they get really excited for a couple of days, but they don't make any progress and nothing happens, mm-hmm. right? So that's incredibly important to know that distinction as well, I would say. And then when you do set those goals, it's making sure, I love to use the acronym SMART, so making sure your goals are specific, they're measurable, they're aligned with your values, they're realistic, and they're time-based. Hmm. that's the first part if you don't have clarity on where you're at where you're going um, and have that big exciting vision and then breaking it down into some specific measurable goals you can actually make progress towards it then I mean that's that's the first step if you don't have that then you're just going to be spinning your wheels Hmm. the second part is people that get that clarity the reason that they're not moving forward is because they're not committed Hmm. and so for commitment, you know, there's a lot of things I could say about this, but there's really um, <clears throat> there's really three big pieces that I like to talk about. The first one is leverage. Mm-hmm. So if you want to be more committed, you've got to get leverage on yourself. And I mentioned this earlier, the two things that, um, that move us forward are pain and pleasure. We're either trying to gain pleasure or we're trying to move away from pain. And so you can use that to your advantage. And, and whenever I'm talking to someone on an initial... Um, I call it a vision strategy session, when I'm talking to them for the first time, my goal at the end of that call is Mm -hmm. to have them get really clear on exactly where they're at right now and what it is that they want and, you know, specific on the goals either six or 12 months out from now. And then my second goal is to get them more committed to those goals than they've ever been before. Mm -hmm. And so taking them through pain and pleasure of, you know, visualizing, thinking about and asking specific questions of, well, hey, if, if you don't make any changes to your life, what's the default future of your life going to be like? What's it going to look like one year from now? You know, what's your marriage going to look like? What's your relationship with your kids going to look like? What's mm-hmm. your bank account going to look like? What's your health going to look like? And, you know, how will that feel? And so really associating to the pain which, like I said before, is more powerful, but then the pleasure on the other side, too, because they both drive us. Now, the second part of commitment is accountability. Hmm. Look, if you're trying to be accountable to yourself, I can already predict your results. You're not going to be successful, at least not for very long. And why so, is that? Well, it's, it's because it's too easy to, you know, if, if you just think about it, like, we make promises to ourselves all the time, mm-hmm. and, and it's really easy to break a promise yourself it's really easy to make an excuse to yourself because we don't even have to say it out loud we just say it in our head like we don't even consciously think about it sometimes we just kind of are like i don't really want to do that nobody else is going to know like I, and we give ourselves a pass like oh you know i said i was going to go work out this morning but oh, i only got four hours of sleep last night i'm feeling really tired uh versus if you said you're going to go work out and have an accountability partner or you're part of some kind of coaching program or mastermind and you hold a bunch of other people, it's different. You're getting more leverage on yourself. Now, especially if, now what I recommend with an accountability partner is 
don't use somebody that is like a friend of yours. Don't try to use your spouse. I mean, that can be helpful and it can work. Mm-hmm. But, <clears throat> you know, the best kind of accountability, in my opinion, is professional accountability, either being part of some type of group coaching program or mastermind or having a one-on-one coach. And when you have rapport built up with those people, whether it's a coach or, or whatever, you're not going to want to let them down. Hmm. So that that's the difference between trying to do it yourself where it's like, you know, it's just in your head. A lot of times we don't even write things down. That's why we don't write goals down and, and why we don't follow through a lot of times because it's just in our head. Mm-hmm. So when you have to physically say out loud, like, you know, I did for years, um, this was probably five years ago, um, I had two accountability partners and we would call each other at five, I think it was five or five thirty in the morning, mm-hmm. Monday through Friday. And it was really simple. All we would say is three things we're grateful for and the top three outcomes that we were going after for that day. But just the fact of me physically saying it to two other people and knowing that tomorrow they're going to ask me how it went, man, I, I can't tell you how much more I got done versus if it just would have been in my head like, oh, okay, I think this is what I'm going to try to do today. It's too easy to get caught up. Hmm. No, definitely. And that accountability too, just to touch base on that. I mean, you see that everywhere. I mean, at the work job, at the work site, wherever, you know what I mean? There's so many people who have no accountability. I mean, they, you ask them to do a job, they don't do it. They start pointing fingers. You know what I mean? And I think we can actually, this being a father program, I think accountability starts at home. It starts with you as a father. Yep. And mimicking that to your children. You know, when you say you're going to be at your kid's game, well, you know what? You better damn well try to get there. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? If you tell them you're going to be there, you better be there, bro. You know, I I know life dictates and accidents happen, whatever. You know what I mean? But at your best, try to really be a man of your word, you know, and mimic that to your children. That when they see that, they see, okay, my dad's accountable. You know what I mean? He's a man of action. He's a man. His word means, you know, his all. His word is his bond. You know what I mean? And then we take that in when we're growing up into life. You know what I mean? I think that's where our society has kind of went because there's no accountability anywhere at all. You know, we got presidents who, (laughs) you know, we had a past president who did some stuff in the White House cigar you know the whole Lewinsky deal and he couldn't even admit that where's the accountability there you know what I mean these are leaders so I think it starts at the home where we actually have to be really really accountable and just remember that our children are watching us you know 100% and one other thing I'll just add to that is that the people that you surround yourself with is incredibly important as Mm -hmm. well and if you're in a job you may not have any say in that and you know you you didn't have any say in the family you grew up with Mm -hmm. either but the people that you surround yourself with is so important because you will either rise up to the level of the other people around you or if they're below you they're going to pull you down to where they're at so for example you know if your dad and your four or five other closest friends they're also dads and they're the type of people that don't really honor their word and they're you know they make promises to their kids and break them all the time mm-hmm. i mean they're not going to be holding you accountable to that they might even in- encourage you to like go hang out with them instead of going to your kid's game or whatever mm-hmm. but on the other hand if you have a group of friends that have high standards for themselves and and it, you know it's the opposite then they'll call you out on it and be like dude, I thought you said you were going to your kid's game. Isn't that tonight? Mm. And so, I mean, it's a world of difference. So, you know, choosing who you spend time with extremely wisely is something that I have learned is incredibly important. Mm -hmm. Now, Jim Rome says that, correct? I think that's what he says. Tell me Um, people you hear. Yeah, he does have a, I don't remember his exact quote, but, and I don't know if he was the first person that said that or not, but Mm -hmm. yeah, he, he definitely has mentioned that. My dad used to tell me something like that, too. He said, tell me who your friends are, and I'll tell you who you are. Yeah, I mean, it's it's incredibly important. 
Mm-hmm. But just just jumping back into what we were talking about, so clarity, commitment, and then the, the last piece of commitment outside of accountability, I would say, is your daily focus. Mm-hmm. Because your daily actions are either going to make you more committed or less committed to what you want. And so there's a lot of habits that you could, you know, that we could talk about. But mm-hmm. for me, a couple that are most important that help me the most is, I mean, I'm sitting in my desk in my office right now, and every time I look up from my computer, I have a vision board on the wall. It's extremely simple. There's like nine images on it, and under each image, there's either one word or just a phrase. Mm-hmm. And, you know, people, I think, put off doing something like that because, think it's stupid or they think it'll take all this time and whatever but man I I can't tell you that how many times I look at that per day and every single time I look at that it's making me more committed to what I want because I've picked images and phrases that mean something to me Mm -hmm. and so that's one part Um, uh, another one as well so I've written out for me basically a declaration letter of an ultimate vision of what I want for my life Mm -hmm. in every single key area so I broke it down into you know, spiritually, in my marriage, in my business, all these areas, and I've written it out as if it's already real, and I have some I-end statements in there around that as well, so I will either read that or listen to that every day. Mm-hmm. Every time I do that, I'm getting more committed, um, and then I have something as well that I call my power questions, which six, uh, maybe seven questions that I answer every morning before I start work, and it, it just gets me into the right mindset. Mm-hmm. And um, you know, one of the questions on there for me, I don't have kids yet, and when I do, I'm going to be adding a question. But one of the que- uh, one of the questions on there is, what can I do to make Brittany, which is my wife's name, uh, feel loved today? Mm-hmm. I'm literally every single day thinking about it. It can be something super simple, but I am being consistent and intentional with that. Um, and then when I do have kids, I'm definitely going to add something related to that as well so I'm being intentional every single day but that daily focus like I said it makes you more committed or if you're just you know have any daily focuses like that then it's just going to be kind of whatever you know you're not going to be committed mm-hmm. and so third step of the framework is coaching and I mean there's kind of two parts of coaching the way I look at it is active and passive so passive coaching is just reading a book it could be listening to a podcast like this or, or something like that, right? It's passive because you're getting information and you can use it as coaching in your life, but there's no back and forth, right? If you're reading a book, you can't have a conversation with the author while you're reading it. Mm-hmm. And then active coaching is, you know, it's what most people would think, one-on-one coaching or joining a mastermind or group coaching or something like that. And what I've found is that <clears throat> the bigger that the goal and the vision that you're going after, the higher level of coaching that you're going to need. If you come to me and say, hey, I want to make a million dollars, Ryan, and my strategy is I'm going to go read this book, I'll say, great. I mean, it's possible, I guess, but it's it's going to be pretty unlikely. You're going to need a lot higher level of coaching than that if you want to achieve that type of goal. Um, And step four is courageous action, and this is where most people are stuck, I would say. Mm -hmm. They are not consistently taking the courageous action that they know they need to to move forward. And the reason they're not, honestly, is you just got to go back to steps one through three. They are stuck in the fact that, oh, man, I know that I should do something and try to find something else to get out of this job and do something else. Or, you know, I know I should, you know, have some of these hard conversations with my wife or whatever, but for whatever reason, they're not doing it. Mm -hmm. And they just loop over and over in their head again. They're like, I know I should do this, but I'm not doing it. I know I should do it, but I'm not doing it. And so you got to go back to step one, clarity. If you are not consistently taking the courageous action, it's either because you're not clear on exactly what it is that you want, why you want it, some of those things, you don't have clear goals, a vision that's pulling you forward, you're not committed enough to it, so you know, it might be you don't have the accountability, you don't have the daily focus, a lot of times it's all those things, um, or you may not have high enough level of coaching or any coaching. Mm-hmm. Now, if you're trying to achieve something and you're, you're not you know, actively reading a book or trying to learn something about it or you have a coach in that area of your life, then good luck. But courageous action is where the rubber meets the road, you know. And whenever you have a big goal or a big vision for your life, the reason I call it courageous action is because at some point you're going to have to take some courageous action, not just regular action. 
And you know, courage doesn't mean that you're not scared. It means you're scared, but you do it anyway. Mm-hmm. So, and then the, the fifth step, honestly, so if someone has done all four, they're taking the courageous action. This is the one that, that I see people get messed up with a lot as well, because they're like, Ryan, I'm doing it all. I'm really clear on what I want. I'm committed. I have accountability partners and these daily focus, uh, these daily actions that, that keep me focused. And I have a coach and, you know, I'm consistently taking this courageous action, but it's still not working. And a lot of times they get really frustrated and that's where people quit because they're like, I'm doing everything right. You know, I, I know that this should be working, but it mu- there must be something wrong with me because, mm-hmm. you know, you did that and it worked for you. This other person did it, it worked for them. And I'm trying it. I'm doing everything right. It's not working. But, you know, the first time that you do anything, it's never going to be perfect. In Mm -hmm. fact, usually it's going to be a a massive failure. I mentioned earlier, the first time I tried to start a business, I made $200 in the first three months. Mm -hmm. And, I mean, I could have just been like, you know what, business, I was not cut out for business. Mm -hmm. You know what? And I would still be working in that metal factory today. Mm -hmm. But... The analogy that I love to use for this is it, it's like a baby trying to walk mm-hmm. because when a baby tries to walk, what happens the first time? They stand up and they fall down. They mm-hmm. stand up and they fall down and over and over and over again. So, I mean, imagine if your baby's trying to walk and they've tried like 10, 20 times and then you're just like, you know what? It tried 20 times, fell down every single time. It doesn't even look like they've made any progress. Now, this baby is just not going to be a walker, I guess. I'm going to have them stop trying, right? Yeah, yeah. Would you do that for your kid? No, absolutely not. Absolutely not, right? I mean, you would would have them keep trying until when? Until they overcame. (laughs) Until they started walking. Until they walked, right? That's the reason reason why pretty much everybody walks, because Mm -hmm. they keep trying. And because... The baby, every time they try, they're making these little course corrections, and eventually they've made enough course corrections so that they're walking. Mm-hmm. And honestly, if we had that attitude towards what we really want in life and the visions that we're going after, it would not be a matter of if it's going to happen. It's just a matter of, of when. Mm-hmm. So having that determination and, and not willing to settle for less than you know mm-hmm. uh, that you were created to be is is incredibly important as well so those are the five steps mm-hmm. and uh that's that's what i walk people through no and i agree with you too because even in like in fatherhood right you know I, I don't know how many fathers i talk to where they get so upset and let's let's just talk about say teenagers okay they're very very moody now when a father calls me or, or talks to me or sends me an email or whatever and he tells me hey man i'm doing what you're saying it's not working you know they get down on themselves and it's like dude <laughs> It's not going to open overnight. You know what I mean? You got to the position you're at, not overnight either. And it's the same thing even with our marriage. You know, if your marriage is falling apart, it didn't happen overnight. Right? So what makes you think that it overnight it's going to get better? No, you got to put in that work, you know? And to just relate to what you said about the, the walking, the crawling theory, we had something that we used to say in the military, crawl, walk, run. You know, you got to crawl before you can run. You know what I mean? Crawl, walk, run. That was our, that was our saying, you know? So you got to go and make these course corrections like you talked about. And it's not going to happen overnight. And don't get down on yourself. Have some grit. You know, have that grit and that tenacity to be like, okay, tomorrow's another day. Right? Absolutely. And And just if I can add something there, because I see this a lot as well, you know, most guys, they're trying to do everything on their own, mm-hmm. and that's why they end up failing, and mm. they're suffering in silence because they don't want to tell anybody about it. So mm-hmm. nobody even knows what they're going after, and nobody knows what they're going through and, and, and what they're feeling because they're trying to do it all on their own. So. Mm-hmm. And I think, too, a lot of times as, as, as fathers, you know, we try to take on too much. We try to do too many things. We have too many hats, and I think the big focus is to be where your feet are. If you're at home, be at home. If you're going to play with your kids, get off that damn phone. Play with your kids. Be intentional. You know? If you're going to be at work, be at work. Don't be messing around, you know? <laughs> you know what I mean? It's simple. It's 
it, it may sound harsh or whatever, but I mean, if you really think about it, it, it it's, it's simple and it's true. Be intentional, be committed, be responsible. You know, and that goes through every aspect and area of our lives, whether it be with fatherhood, whether it be with work, whether it be with your dreams, whatever, you know what I mean? You could apply that anywhere. It's universal. You know, um, I wanted to ask you, Ryan, how do you think it affects fathers who settle for a job? That's not necessarily a passion. Cause that's, that, that's one thing I see with all these workers and stuff like that. You know, a lot of the fathers I talk to, they're like always tired. And it, I understand why it's because they're not doing what they're called to do. Yep. Okay. You know, they're providing and stuff like that, but they're tired. They hate their job. They don't want to wake up. They don't want to go to their job. But then you ask them, Quinn, they're like, I'll find another job. And they're like, no, what else am I going to do? This, this pays good. But then they don't understand the irreparable damage that they're causing their children because now they're miserable. Okay. And I saw this with my dad. Okay. He worked at a job. He settled for this job. And he didn't like his job. But he did it because he was providing for his family because that's what we do as fathers. We're called to provide. Okay. Now, now that we're starting to see that we're much more than just a check, okay? But back then, he didn't see that. He just knew that he had to put a roof over his head. He had to provide food and whatever else, you know what I mean? And when you're in that mind and you're stuck in that mindset to where, man, I hate my job and everything like that, that flows through you. It's going to come out of you. Your kids are going to pick up on that negative vibe that you're putting out. And that happens a lot, you know what I mean? As kids, we tend, you know, like with our children, I had a psychologist to talk about how we tend to internalize everything. So if the dad's upset because something that happened at work, the little kid's going to be like, what's wrong with me? What did I do to daddy? Why did, why is daddy mad at me? You know what I'm saying? And if we really <laughs> just look at the, you know, if we take it back and we see, okay, well, if we don't like this job, find another job, not necessarily quit, right? Like you said, but take the appropriate steps to finding something you really, really like. You know? Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, I think the reason a lot of people feel so hopeless when they're in a situation like that is because they feel like it's never going to change. They mm. feel like there's no way out. And, I mean, that's not true, obviously. The, the only way that you're not going to get out is to take absolutely no action which is what most people do. Mm -hmm. But, yeah, I mean, to answer the question, you know, I mean, of course, they know they're settling and, and that there's more out there for them. You know, like the story I told about when I was in the metal factory, that's exactly how I felt. Mm -hmm. it, it was like, man, I know that this is not what I'm meant to do for the next 40 years. I know that, that I'm living below my potential. And, yeah, I mean, when you feel like that deep down, but you're not taking any action or you don't feel like it's possible to do anything else because, oh, you know, mm -hmm. I have the responsibility and a wife and kids and this and that, um, then it feels hopeless. Yes. And when they feel hopeless, then, I mean, honestly, it's, it's like slowly kills them. Yes. And, but, again, most guys, they suffer in silence. Mm -hmm. You know, the, so nobody knows and they don't seek help. Like, so that's what I think you know, even a lot of guys that I coach, because there's some guys that come to me that are not already entrepreneurs. They may be working a regular job, and they're, they're trying to work themselves out of it, but they feel stuck, and they're like, I don't know how to do it, and, you know, I, I'm not sure how I'm going to be able to make it happen. Mm -hmm. But, again, most people, they don't take action mm -hmm. and, until they either hit rock bottom or they have a moment where they hit a threshold and they make a powerful decision. Mm -hmm. So for me, it was like I had a threshold moment when I looked up at that clock. It was my 23rd birthday, and it was just like, man, I can I don't want to be here again on my 24th birthday telling myself the same thing. And so most people, if they don't, if they don't hit rock bottom or have some type of moment like that, they're never going to take any action. Mm -hmm. So that's why I think it's so important to, you know, go find a, a great coach or somebody that can help you clarify what you actually want in your life mm -hmm. because again we think about it in our head and we go over and over again but it changes all the time and we never get anything written down we never have anything concrete and it's just kind of like um 
you know, it's just kind of like a dream. It's like, oh, yeah, it'd be nice someday if I could quit this job. It'd be nice someday if I could do this, uh, you know, whatever. But they don't ever take any action. So the first step, like I said before, you've got to get clarity. You've got to get a vision that excites you because if, if you don't have a vision that excites you or maybe you've just got some little, like, your only motivation is that you don't like this job. You're just trying to move away from the pain of that job. Well, that's not going to get you very far, mm-hmm. right? Because, like I said before, when you're driven and when you're feeling inspired, it's much different. It's like you are pulled forward. So mm-hmm. those people are they feel like they're pushing themselves like, oh, man, I got to push myself to get up and go to work every day. Mm-hmm. And so, I mean, it, honestly, we talked about it so much, but it's so true. You got to start with that vision and make it big and exciting. Mm-hmm. You're not going to do anything. Absolutely. And that just adds to your purpose. You know what I mean? When you start having that purpose, you're going to want to get up. Like you said, you're going to want to work harder. You're going to want to work better. You know what I mean? You're going to have greater outcomes. Um, I think when these big companies that are out there, they need to start, you know, they, they have the tendency of throwing money at everything. Okay. Even with safety, they're always throwing money at it. Well, you throw more money at it. Why are we having more safety issues now? Okay. And that's a whole different <laughs> issue. Okay. Now, with that being said, they don't address the problem. People need a purpose. Okay. And when they lose that purpose, they're not going to want to get up. And it, it's the same thing even with, with fatherhood. You know, when you lose your purpose, when you get depressed and men handle depression differently men tend to internalize it and then all of a sudden it turns into depression and then it turns into anger and that's why we have a lot of these fathers who are flashing on their families for no apparent reason you know what i mean and we're seeing it more and more prevalent these days you know i think it's because it's depression you know they're sad that they you know especially with social media you know, when you're always doing comparison, you know, uh, one of my good friends always says all the time, he's like, oh, comparison is a thief of joy. So when you're seeing how someone's doing great on social media and everything, and you start comparing that to your life, you're like, man, I'm a POS or, or I'm not doing anything or whatever. You know what I mean? You're going to really get down on yourself, you know, and I think you're absolutely right when you talked about getting that coach or getting surrounded with people that can uplift you, you know, and not hold you down. You know, they have this... uh thing that uh, one of these pastors that I, I follow, uh, Pastor Jurgen, always talks about the tall poppy syndrome. And it's when people don't want you to rise above. They want to keep you down where they're at. You know, and I think that's, that's sad. So you got to get away from the people. You got to get with people that are like-minded. You got to get with people who want the best for you. You know, and I think you'll have a, a much fuller, richer life, you know. Absolutely. Now, yeah, you know, when you Go ahead. Go ahead. No, no, sorry. I didn't mean to interrupt you. Go ahead. No, I, I was just going to add to what you're saying, the tall poppy syndrome, because, you know, if, you, if you're in a friend group and nobody really has a big vision and big goals for them for their lives, and they're not really doing much anything. They're just stuck in jobs they don't like, and they, they like to sit around and complain a lot. And then all of a sudden, you make these massive changes, and you, let's say you quit your job and you go start a business, or, you know, you get in the best shape of your life, or, or whatever. Mm-hmm. If they're not doing anything themselves to make themselves better then they're all of a sudden going to be like not only jealous of you but also like who's this guy? like screw this guy like mm-hmm. they're used to sitting around and commiserating and being like they don't actually want to put the work in they like complaining about things but once you start putting the work in and getting results they don't either they don't believe in themselves they don't think they can do it or whatever so mm-hmm. it's much easier for them to just try pull you back down to their level versus them actually go out there and make something of themselves Mm, no i like that no you're definitely right on that man because like one of the things i always used to say is man is this person jealous and then i had a change of heart when i really really thought about it i'm like okay well who am i that they would be jealous right and then i started really thinking about it's not that they're jealous what it is is that i'm doing something that they know they should be doing and it pisses them off that's what it really is it boils down to you know what i mean um I wanted to ask you real quick, brother. How can a blue-collar dad find their why in a company that they work for without having to become an entrepreneur? And is it possible to find that why? Yeah, that's a that's a really good question. And so, I mean, I definitely think it's possible to find the why. Mm-hmm. And I think 
if you look at some of the people that, first of all, let me say this, not everybody is cut out to be an entrepreneur. If you had asked me like five years ago, I would have said, and everybody should be an entrepreneur. Why would you ever want to work in a regular job? But some people love being an employee. They were made to be an employee, whatever you want to say. But mm-hmm. the people that I see that are most happy working for someone else is when they are enrolled in the bigger vision that that company has. Mm-hmm. So when a, when a company does a great job of setting this big, awesome vision that's exciting and where you can see the impact that your job is making, mm-hmm. that's when people can plug into that and be like, man, this is, this is awesome. Like, you know, I, I love being a part of this company because of our mission and what we're, the progress that we're making towards it and we're really making a difference in the world. And, you know, it doesn't have to be like, you know, you're, you're transforming the world. It can be anything. If you do a good job of framing that vision in how you are um, part of that. Mm-hmm. And on the opposite end of the spectrum is companies that don't have that and people don't feel valued. They don't feel like what they're doing matters. They don't mm-hmm. feel like they're making a difference. Those are the people that are just, they're not going to give their all, first of all. They're just going to do enough to get by. Mm-hmm. And they're going to be miserable. Yes. And, um, so that's one thing that I would say, but also regardless of what your, you know, the company culture is and if they have a vision or they don't have a vision, you can set that yourself as well mm-hmm. because we are, we are meaning making machines. So we can come up with a positive meaning or a negative meaning for anything that's going on in our life or anything that's, that's happening. Mm-hmm. Um, but I don't think everybody needs to be an entrepreneur. And mm-hmm. I do think you can, you know, be in a regular job and, be excited about it, but you have to be plugged into some bigger vision, whether it's your own or, or someone else's, and feel like you're actually making a difference somehow. Mm-hmm. Everybody wants to be a part of something, right? Yep. Yeah, I agree with you 100%. Um, I had a friend of mine tell me that when you look for fulfillment in your job, you will fail, okay? He said that your job was not meant to fulfill you. It was meant to provide for you. Passion drives fulfillment, which in turn drives meaning for your life. Now, with that being said, if your job's supposed to fulfill you, then why aren't we all happy at our jobs? What do you think? Yeah, I mean, first of all, I think people just in general, whether you have a job or whatever you do, mm-hmm. is we think if we're not happy all the time, 24-7, there's something wrong. Mm-hmm. And we're not meant to be happy 24-7 because, you know, when we're unhappy, those are the times that we grow. And if we don't grow, we're not going to become more. And ultimately, to me, fulfillment is who you become as a person. Mm. And so it's not about how much money you're making, what type of job you have, if you're an entrepreneur, whatever. So to answer your question, um, you know, jobs don't necessarily provide fulfillment. Mm-hmm. You know, they, they do provide for your family, like, we're ta- like you're talking about. But um, for a lot of people, it's a means to an end. Mm-hmm. And if I ask someone what they do, and they, they use the word job when they're describing what they do, I already know it's not fulfilling to them, and they're probably not happy in that job. Mm-hmm. So when people, even the language that you use, someone says, you know, this is my mission, or this is my calling, or something, even if they're an employee, mm-hmm. it doesn't matter. I, I already know that they're going to be way more fulfilled and, and way more happy in that job. Mm-hmm. But, yeah, I mean fulfillment to me is about who you become and the only way you're going to become more is by going through challenges by rising above them so and you're not going to be happy while you're going through the challenges most times right so mm-hmm. yeah it's about who you become absolutely and i think too you know when you, f- you when when you feel that true fulfillment you will find peace you know what i mean you will actually be filled you know what I mean? You won't be looking for the, the next big thing or whatever. You know what I mean? You'll be at peace with who you are and what you're doing and your calling. You know? Um, it's kind of funny because uh, Dr. Billy Allsbrooks says that job is just an acronym for just over broke. <laughs> you know, I don't know if you ever heard that, but... Uh, yeah, uh, yeah, I've heard that before. Yeah, and, and he's so true, you know what I mean? Because it's all in your language. You know, when you ask somebody, what do you do for a living? Well, it's my job or whatever. You know what I mean? You're definitely going to tell that there's a lack of uh, emotion there and they don't really like it and everything. But uh, 
dude, I just want to thank you for coming on, Ryan. I mean, you're just uh, such an inspiration, dude. And I thank you for sharing with our audience. It is a pleasure to have you on. And where can they find you, if you don't mind me? Yeah, it's a, a great question. So the best place to go is aoemen.simplecast.com. So I have a podcast as well called the Extraordinary Man Podcast. And uh, there's also other links on there where you can connect with uh, my free Facebook group and uh, things like that. Awesome. Thank you so much, brother. Have a great day. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you for having me on.